Hello, I'm Angela Poon and I'm excited to welcome you to the concluding episode of the Social Mastery Podcast. Throughout this series, we've had the pleasure of bringing you insightful interviews with domain experts and personnel from OneDefense. Our hope is that you've gained valuable skills and strategies to apply in your own life as part of your social mastery journey. Personally, one of the most rewarding aspects of this podcast has been the opportunity to connect with our program participants and defense leaders. The defense community is filled with passionate individuals and it's been an honor to delve deep into your stories, struggles and triumphs. Now to wrap up this podcast on a high note, we've chosen to feature our recent interview from the Indo-Pacific Sea Power Conference. On stage, Rear Admiral Wendy Malcolm, Commander Dean Thompson and Petty Officer Sam Tickle joined Andrew to discuss the significance of the Social Mastery Program, its origins and why they are deeply passionate about it. Thank you for tuning into the Social Mastery Podcast. Hello and welcome everybody. My name is Andrew May and welcome to Investing in Self, the foundation of the Social Mastery Equation. This live interview at the Indo-Pacific Sea Power Conference in Sydney is also being recorded as a special edition podcast with Rear Admiral Wendy Malcolm, Commander Dean Thompson and Staff Officer MAS Executive Sam Tickle, three Navy personnel who have been integral in sponsoring, amplifying and delivering this social mastery program. Today we're here to talk about the genesis of social mastery, why it is important. So to get things started, Rear Admiral Malcolm, would you like to introduce yourself and everybody on stage? Excellent. Thank you so much, Andrew. Great to see you. And thank you, everybody, for being here, especially our special guests from overseas. Thank you for your interest. I hope you've had a great time here at Indopac. My name is Rear Admiral Wendy Malcolm, Royal Australian Navy. Uh, I build ships and I do that across the country. Your great patrol boats, your tankers, your offshore patrol vessels, uh, sail training ships, Army landing craft, ships are us, we can build it, so um, it's a great job to have. My superpower is having a fantastic team and selecting the right people in it. And I couldn't have a better team member than Commander Dean Thompson and Petty Officer Sam Tickle, and I'm going to ask them to talk about what they do. Uh, Hello everyone, Uh, Commander Dean Thompson, thanks ma'am, very nice, kind words. I'm the N1 within Maritime Acquisition and Sustainment. That's the other hat the boss wears. While she's not building ships, she's managing a stream of, uh, of professionals. N1, what does that mean? I, I'm the HR strategy director, essentially, and I get after uh, all the strategy around building the workforce to get after not only um, continuous naval shipbuilding across the country, but future maritime sustainment model. Hi, everyone. I'm Petty Officer Sam Tickle working in Commander Thompson's team in Acquisition Sustainment with Admiral Malcolm. Uh, So I'm Staff Officer Executive in the team and that uh, basically we've got a a fantastic small team with specific roles. As the Staff Officer, I get to do all the, well, I'm Staff Officer odd jobs and also all the fun activities. So things like social mastery and also some other programs we'll talk about later. So I feel the team just providing support to the team mainly and also getting to run some really cool initiatives. And just to talk about where this came from, when we're in the middle of COVID, I said to Dean, hey, how are we going to invest back into our people? They're doing it really tough. How do we help them? How do we help them invest them in themselves? And um, he's just gone off and done that and then brought some great people in. So that's back to you, I think, Andrew. I thought you were going to say, brought the guy in with the shiny head. What a nice segue. 
Uh, I am non-defence. For those people who are non-defence, I'll do a little bit of interpretation because one of my learnings was there are a lot of acronyms, there is a lot of domain-specific. I can see a few people nodding up the front. So when we talk about mastery, there's three types of mastery. Technical mastery is how you do your job. Domain mastery is doing your job in a specific environment, specific to Navy, that would be maritime. And then, Sam, the updated definition of social mastery is the development of high-performing individuals and teams. So within social mastery, the original framework looked at Daniel Goleman's emotional intelligence, and there's four frameworks to that. They are self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. So with my business, Drive Stronger, it's been a wonderful opportunity to partner with you. I'll call you by your first name. I was going to go Commander Thompson. I'll, I'll drop the shoulders and relax a little bit. Dean, I can remember when you first introduced myself and the team to Defence. And before we talk about the origins of the program, you might want to go back to that day. We're in the Adfa Hall in Canberra. And I think before the program, or maybe 10 minutes into the program, you were thinking about checking out Seek.com. Do you want to pick up the story? Uh, we, we ran a, a smaller program for the SLG uh, as part of Office of Chief Navy uh, giving back to the senior leadership of Navy. And we brought Andrew on board. We had a team, a half-day event at the Adfa Auditorium. And the first speaker stood up and said to all the, uh, the one stars and two stars in the room, can I ask you to take your shoes off and your socks off and bury your toes into the carpet? And I was like, oh, I'm done. There's no way I'm coming back from this. Uh, I'm going to start looking on Seek right now. But to my surprise, when you give back to these people that give so much of themselves to their day job, they loved it. And in the first break, you were swamped by individual one stars, two stars, swapping numbers, asking questions. Uh, and so I put my phone down, put Seek away, and I was like, right, I'll probably stay for another six months. I was swamped. You were sweating. <laughs> So a rough frame for today, we want to talk about mentorship and paying it forward, number one. Two is I'd like to talk about collaborating and creating a best practice program. Number three, this is what I've learned so much from working with Defence. It's the notion of leadership and followership. And number four, and we'll start with you on this one, Wendy, a crystal ball. Where do you see this program going moving forward? But number one, Wendy, I'll, I'll ask you to start. You told me a lovely story a couple of weeks ago about a mentor of yours that you had 30 years ago, a wonderful man named Rob Walls who recently passed away. And you said, as a young woman, Rob empowered you on your career. Would you like to pick up on that story? Yes, I certainly will. And um, yeah, I didn't so much join the Navy, everybody. I escaped a small country town and <laughs> ran away. So I did that. I went to the Defence Academy. I had a really great time. Had some fantastic shipmates. I can see Tish over there. So we got ourselves into lots of trouble. But I ended up as a lieutenant, being a flag lieutenant or an aide-de-com for the fleet commander. And he was old school. And uh, if he was happy, if he was not happy with you, you were going to hear about it, probably from about three rooms away. And so I think he sacked me a few times, but I, I kept going back. But what was amazing about, about that was he was the first person who actually made me think I had a career in the Navy. Because back then I was just like, oh, well, this is kind of fun. And, um, you know, I'm, I've escaped a small country town. Not sure what I'm going to do next. But he was the first person who really said to me, you know what, you could really have a career in the Navy and make something of yourself. I didn't know what the word mentor was back then. 
and I worked bloody hard for him, but that was the beginning of a relationship that I had with him for 30 years. Most of my important decisions in my life, I've had that discussion with him. And so I really want to say to people here, it's like, it's not always on yourself to try and come up with the answers to life. I had a great mentor. He helped me enormously. And in particular, he really helped me believe in myself. I found it really hard to give his eulogy at his funeral uh, last month. Uh, But the bit that I wanted to get across was the importance of mentorship that he took through his whole life. And that's something that I now try and do. So mentorship, from my perspective, is really paying it forward, looking after the people that come with you and laying a path open for them, for them to actually fill and move into. Mentor, the origin of the word, is the Latin word mentore, which means to be like. I'm sure Rob is very proud seeing what you've done to pay it forward and to to think about what you learned as a young woman coming into defence and to, to really chart a program that was very different. You, you did take a bit of a risk when you put this together. Yes, we were really worried that, like, you know... You can be is, honest now. Is this too touchy-feely? <laughs> Are people going to think we've um, all gone a bit off the reservation? But it was really about, you know, how do we, how do we really engage people and appeal to them make sure they understand that we value them and that we want to give back to them and invest in them and invest in our teams and invest in our future. So if I put it like that, you know, I think it really comes from the heart. So that's what we've really tried to do with this program. And apart from sweating in that first session, Dean, you've had your fingerprints all over this. So you were talking to Wendy at the very start and then you started to put best practice learning frameworks to the IP that had been sitting there around Daniel Goldman's emotional intelligence and then bringing that to life. And wonderful timing, Ange. We can see that starting with self-awareness, moving to self-management, social awareness and relationship management. We can look at that now and smile and go, well, that's a really pretty model. Back when this first started, there was no pretty model. Do you want to take us back the ideas you had or what was the inspiration to take the ideas that this wonderful woman had but then to roll it out, get people in a room and make that come alive? Yeah, so there's several, several key points. I guess the, uh, the backbone had already been done. All the hard work and the heavy lifting around the social mastery triangle w- was already there. Uh, what the boss allowed me to do was that she gave me the latitude to get after it. I remember sitting down with her. I got command intent and I left her office going, wow, I really have an open left and right of arc here to get after a program that will not only benefit you know, the, the military people in the organisation, but the APS as well, uh, which was a real integrated sort of way of thinking. Uh, and so that's what we did. We set out, I, you know, sort of reached out uh, to yourself. We, we had a good few sessions and we, we hit the ground running with the pilot. And Sam, then you got involved. We love working with you, Sam. You're, you're so neat. You're so professional. You, you did everything you deliver beautifully. But you then came in and really helped put the frameworks together. And, and the question I, I've, I wanted to ask you, so why don't we ask in front of a live audience? I've never asked you this question. And now, Sam, what's ask me? Why are you so passionate about well-being and why are you so passionate about giving back to others? Because you're a young, young man. Like, this is the stuff that normally kicks in when you're, like, a little bit older. Like, not, 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 not saying anything else. too. <laughs> We just polarised half the audience. <laughs> what, what, what drives you around this whole notion of giving back? Absolutely. So, firstly, thanks for the compliments. Really appreciate it. Um, I guess I have had a really uh, a career before Navy, but also in Navy where I've had a lot of 
amazing mentors who have really in, spent a lot of their personal time investing in me, helping me uh, get me to the point where I am now. And I think, uh, yeah, I would have had a very different career and a, be a very different person now if I hadn't had those people along the way who are still very much in contact with them. And just them taking that time to sit down with me and teach me whether that be something in, as simple as defence writing or something like that or, or take me through uh, counselling for career moves, other, other things like that them investing in me has been so instrumental. I think this is a different way that with me helping implement this program, I can invest in back in Navy as well. So whether that be doing the work with Angela and the team in the background, doing all the hard work or even on the day and, and interacting with people and showing them, yeah, just open this whole new world of so, or thinking of social marketing that they might have not thought about before. That's just, I guess, my way at, that I came at my current rank and my current opportunities, I can reinvest into people back in Navy as well and, and wider defence, of course. Yeah. And to give a bit of an understanding of the program, we launch it with either a half-day workshop or a keynote where we talk about the science, uh, psychology behind performance. We've had wonderful athletes join us as well. We call this Athlete Candy. Are there any NRL supporters in the room? Uh, a couple. So we had Tom Travojevic from Australia's best NRL team, the Manly Seagulls. Polarised half the room again as well. Uh, we had Caitlin Bassett, the former Australian netball captain. So we've got some athlete input in there. We've got some academics like Dr Susie Green, Kamal, who's the co-founder of Are You OK Day? And then talking about some of those high-performance frameworks. Uh, then we also look at a 30-day social mastery program, which is a blend of looking at your physical well-being, your psychological well-being, productivity, relationships and relationship management. And there's a digital platform that sits behind all of it. So that's the, the implementation of the program, some face-to-face, -face, some online support. There's a podcast as well that gives messages with both people in defence and external. So it's a range, a real diverse message. So, Dean, if I can go to you. What, what have you learned from doing the program, either personally or professionally? I think professionally. I, I, I think a lot of the content we all know and we've all, we've all come across in our lives, but it's, it's just reframing it or refreshing it and actually going, okay, I'm going to give some time to this. You know, there's, there's a couple of things. If I think professionally, the, the one thing that I've taken out of it, and I you know, learnt this from a colleague that I'm on a course with at the moment at, a, at the Australian Defence College, you know, as, as a leader, when something goes right, you look out the window and you look at your team and you say, how do we replicate that? When something goes wrong, you look in the mirror and you look at yourself and you go, right, so what happened? What could I have done differently? So it's a perspective thing. So it's really about gaining the perspective and, and refocusing and just refreshing those skills. Uh, personally, and I've spoke about this many times, it's about being present. And uh, I've actually tried to start journaling. I'm not, I'm not a great writer. I don't like to sit down and write. And I was sitting down at the kitchen table the other night writing and my six-year-old Sienna said, Daddy, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just writing about my day. And she ran off to her room, came back with a coloring book. And I said, what are you doing? She said, oh, I'm drawing about my day. And I said, maybe I should try that. It'll probably be better. <laughs> oh, the, the mindfulness approach to coloring or journaling has the same effect. Have your family, have any of your friends, I'll ask you a different question you weren't expecting, has anyone noticed you showing up differently or have you tried anything different? Because what we talk about as far as, you know, manage your thoughts, manage your energy levels, eat good food. Who's heard this before? Get enough sleep, don't drink too much alcohol, be nice to people. I can see a few of the ladies go, yeah, yeah, I've heard all this before. What happens when we get really busy? 
throw it out, throw it out, throw it out, we become task focused. Is it just me, but does anyone else become really busy and start giving feedback, quite didactic? Here's what to do, here's what you can also do with your horse. And then you look at people going, so I know this, I've taught this for 20 years. When I'm under stress, I often throw it all out. So have you been able to put any new skills, new practices when under stress? Or you might even say you had a disaster with something. Either way, what's worked or what hasn't? I definitely self-regulate. So I, li I like the concept of up-regulation and down-regulation. Uh, even before coming on stage, I'm not a natural public speaker. So, you know, taking those deep breaths, bringing the heart rate down, just sort of catching my breath so I'm not sort of stuttering away not using devices right before bed, which is great, until I go into the bedroom and, and Amanda's tick-tocking. And I say, you know you shouldn't do that. And she goes, the spare room's down there, mate. Um, <laughs> so don't, 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 every, every male knows who's in a relationship with a female that you don't give that advice or guidance because what, what a lot of guys do is they go to a course and they come back and they say, oh, this is what you should do. Any women in the room, have you ever had that feedback? How, how does that go down? Horrible, horrible. I'm a slow learner, mate. <laughs> Sam, what, what have you applied either personally or professionally from the Social Mastery Program? Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree with everything Commander Thompson just said. For myself, uh, it's definitely on that presence piece. But for me, it's about making time or allocating time to be present. So I, I guess I, I, I try to be a bit of a perfectionist, which is detrimental sometimes to other areas of my life. So it's just making sure I am allocating time or making time to be present at home, things like that for my, for my personal side of the house. But for the professional, it's for me, it's all about trying to, and working together as a team to make sure our floor culture matches our wall culture. So the, the culture that we have on the floor at work, does it match our values up on the wall and things like that? And yeah, I think we've all worked in workplaces, whether in defence or out of defence, where we've had some amazing teams where we could absolutely agree that exactly what we do at work on the floor matches their values, behaviours and things like that. And we worked in ones which, which we haven't. Uh, so for me, it's really important to try and try and marry those two up. So the things we practice on the floor of, of the office place or on, on the ship or wherever we might be matches what we put up on the wall. So that's where I work professionally. Yeah, I, I like that. And I might just give a bit more context to the term down regulation because you roll that off the tongue and, and just sounded so beautiful. But I saw a few people scratching their heads. When we talk about down-regulation, it's the opposite of the modern world. Everything is up. You know, we're fast-paced. We run from one event to the next. We're tweeting. We're some people are tindering, uh, maybe not in this room, but yeah, we're always on our mobile devices. So outside of this, I work in elite sports. So I, I work with... <laughs> what's Tinder? <laughs> I thought you said, what's Tinder? No. Uh, so I, I work with the Manly Seagulls as their mental skills and leadership coach. Got no, got no NRL fans at all. I'm being booed. I've just started working with the Waratahs in rugby union. Have we got any? We've got a lot of work to do in Australian rugby union. And I work with Tim Zhu, one of Australia's best boxers. So in that domain, I help elite athletes perform under pressure. So if you think about your specific roles, it's not like playing 80 minutes of the NRL or rugby union or in a fight that goes for 12 rounds by three minutes. Uh, and you've got to dance around, but there's all peak performance moments we all have, and we all get up for those moments. But I spend a lot of my time in sport and working with high performers in enterprise, government, defence, down-regulating. It's twofold. First one is relaxing physically, dropping the heart rate down. And again, we know this. We teach young kids to do breath work. Now, I'm teaching my three-year-old daughter to be calm, and she'll take a big breath in, and then to try and stop her from you know, 
fishtailing on emotions. So that's the first part of downregulation. It's how do you relax your body by dropping the heart rate. The second part is what we call psychological detachment. And at a science level, at the moment, we would hope, everyone, your brain waves are in beta. You're listening, you might be learning, but you're engaging. You may even be arguing a little bit or, or challenging what we're doing. And if you are, great, whack it on the QR code. We've got some question time coming up. We want to have some nice, healthy, robust conflict. Well, you three do, I'm dancing out of that one. Uh, but our, our, brains, our, our brains operate in this mode of beta. That's what we're all employed to do. But periodically, we need you to go alpha, and that's to relax or to drop the brain waves. And as I say, we often get that drop or going alpha when you're riding a bike slowly like Kermit the Frog, not down a hill like a mammal. When you're on a bus, when you're at a beach, you're reading a book or you're in the bath without a mobile phone. So can everyone just sort of reflect, when do you switch off and your mind drifts? That is that drifting or that psychological detachment and then lowering the heart rate. Those two is what we call downregulation that you just said so elegantly. Sam, what are you doing to downregulate? Yeah, so for myself, like I said before, for me, for my downregulation, it's really about setting that time aside to downregulate. So, and whether that be simply going home and spending time being present with my wife and my 13, 14 week year old child, which keeps me not so downregulated. So it's just nothing changes. For, like yeah, I said this to yeah, Sam, I've got yeah. four children. Like, nothing changes when you have your first child, yeah. right? Nothing. Well, I've, I've been here for three days and apparently he's sleeping all night when I'm not there. So it's fantastic. Yeah, so it's just for me, downregulation, it's actually setting time. And apart from spending time with my family, it's also just spending time for myself as well, whether that be just watching a TV show or something and actually just, yeah, switching off, not having to think about something for time because generally I have quite a busy mind, just trying to literally not think about anything for a period of time perhaps or things like that or just yeah spending time where I have no link to work or and vice versa as well when I'm trying to perform at work it's, it's also keeping that separate and just focusing on the tasks at hand for me yeah and I often get asked how does all this stuff this physiology stuff this psychological detachment stuff help me as a leader good question it's called social contagion theory how you show up is how others show up. Has anyone ever found that when you rock up to work stressed, tired, distracted, agitated, angry, suddenly 15 minutes later, what's happened to my whole team? Or when you transition home, I can see a few people in the audience. It's a bit like Homer Simpson in the Witness Protection Program. I think he's talking to you. <laughs> or it might be when you go home to your loved ones or if you have an extended family or if you have children in your immediate or extended family. And after 15 minutes, because you haven't been present, you know, you're a little bit distracted, you suddenly say, my whole family is distracted as well. So learning these skills is not only valuable for work, but it's invaluable for our relationships. How you show up is how they show up. And I'm, I'm constantly conscious of that in all my different roles, to try and show up and be calm, just try and show up and to be present, as we've been mentioning before. And when you do that, we have two ears and one mouth and our communication changes. When we're stressed, when we're in that sympathetic nervous system and we're a bit agitated, we tend to tell more, we're more didactic. So a big lesson I've had as I've got older and lost more hair is actually to breathe, slow down and be present before those conversations and you notice so much more. I'm gonna to go to you. From a professional level, Wendy, what, what changes have you seen as a result of the Social Mastery Program or what is your vision? What changes would you like to see? I had uh, a great opportunity to work with one of Andrew's terrific colleagues, Angela, who's here today. And one of the tools the team has is the Build a Better Week. And it's all about, you know, show me, show me what you do in your day, show me your habits and I'll show you your life. 
and Angela sat down with me and we went through my diary and she went, where's your meal planning? What, when do you do your exercise? When you're, when's your downtime? And I was like, um, oh, look, you know, I get to it when I can and I'm pretty busy. And Angela gave me a really good talking to. So, and part of that is, is you know, and she, she was really blunt with me. She's bossy, isn't she? She is. Yeah, she's she's really blunt. Bossy. And she said, hey, you're not going to show up for your team if you don't show up for yourself. And you have to program those things in at the start of your week. You have to make sure that you're putting in the time to look after yourself. You've got to have the tools. So not just about looking after yourself and how you manage and your habits in your life, but the other tool that I found really helpful is um, treating my car like the TARDIS from Doctor Who. So I get in the car and I have this routine where I think I'm about to go to work and I want to show up and be the best boss I can be. And this might be the first time I have an interaction with this person or the last time I want to give it my best shot. I want to walk in and I want to see a sign on the front of you that says, how do you thank me? You know, what is it that I have not appreciated about you? Um, so I think being really conscious at the start of the day about how I show up, how I show up for my team, how I show up for my Navy, how I show up for my industry partners, you know, being really conscious about that and investing in it and being, you know, making that decision. And then at the end of the day, when I get back into the TARDIS, you know, I take another big deep breath and I turn that off so that I'm going home and showing up for my family in a way. So I kind of treat the car as the kind of the go-between and a bit of a spot where, you know, some poor guy who pulls up beside me at the traffic lights and sees me, you know, breathing really heavily as I'm doing my in and out breathing is probably like, oh my God, what's going on in there? Has she gone into labour or something? <laughs> so, but I find, you know, you kind of breathe on the way into work, breathe on the way home. It's helped me show up and I hope be a better boss and a better person. I haven't heard that story. I love it. Uh, Wizard, when we do the post-production of the podcast, we've got to put in the Doctor Who music on that as well in the background. When you hear that back, it's going to sound so cool in the background. Uh, just notice for everyone standing, there are a couple of seats. So we've still got another half hour to go. So if you'd like to come up, the seats up the front are especially extra comfortable. Extra comfortable. They've got little coolants for your cheeks. So if you'd like... Did that sound as bad as it uh, felt delivering? <laughs> as I say that, one person has left. Too cool on the cheeks. Uh, he's giving me a nod. So if you would like to, uh, more than welcome, come and sit up the front as well. Dean, we said part three today is we're going to be talking about the difference between followership and leadership. I, I must admit, when you first introduced me to this term about 18 months ago, I went, Tell me more, because coming from a corporate background, a sporting background, we talk a lot about she's a wonderful leader, he's a leader, and, and there were some followers, and, and followers didn't have the same resonance as when you explained it. Now, can I tell you, I've actually adapted this term. I do quote you a lot, and we're using this in some of my sporting teams, and the players relate with it beautifully. So I just want to say thank you, because I'm using this, and I am honouring you in it, but it's totally changed the way I look at leadership as this command control. So talk to me about followership versus leadership. Your followership and leadership, I mean, is not foreign to probably anyone in the, in the crowd here. It's, it's really common in, in Navy. And so I thought you were going to ask me for a commission, first of all. Later. <laughs> I can um, see his brain ticking over. The, uh, the interesting thing about followership and leadership is you have on the stage a, a member of the senior leadership group, middle management and, and a senior manager, and we are all followers. We are all followers 
and that's really important to understand. Uh, followership is the foundation of leadership. You know, leadership only happens when followers have a choice whether they want to follow or not. Uh, otherwise, it's management. Now, that's a, a strange thing to say in a military context because we have, we have rank. But you know, true leadership is when you inspire your team to come with you on the journey. So I, I spoke about it in our last podcast, but we do bridge resource management in, in the Navy where anyone on the bridge, regardless of their rank, and I should say on, in the ship writ large, uh, can raise a concern and be heard. Uh, and the leader will take that concern on board. They don't necessarily have to act upon it, but that individual understands that I've raised a concern and I have been listened to. Setting those foundations is fundamental to leadership, and that is all around followership. You've told me a couple of other stories, uh, some really good stories. And the one that I want to talk about is leadership is love. Because when you, when you said that, I, again, I didn't expect that to come from defence. I think uh, coming from non-defence, I, I had this view that defence is very rigid and structured and like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And it's not, like it's changing. And you've, you've said this before in presentations that while you've changed, defence has changed a lot. So th th those two themes, how defence has changed and also that notion of leadership is love. And I'm yes. using that in my, in my work as well. So I just think I'm quoting you on... On all the towards, it's what adapting and honouring, yes. <laughs> paying it forward. Yeah, thank you, Sam. I guess the first thing, uh, Navy and Defence has changed a lot. I mean, I joined in 97 as a 17-year-old, wet behind the ears. My first day, I put my hand up and the, you know, the PO said, yep, what's your question? And I said, what's RAN stand for? And I got kicked out of the room and I had to work it out on my own. So, you know, things have changed a lot and, that, and things have to change and change is good. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I think change will continue, defence will continue to evolve, Navy will continue to evolve and we will con continue to evolve, uh, evolve with it. So that's great. You know, where leadership is love, I, I can't take the credit for that. I, I've ran Goyne from the Australian Defence College who's um, part of the leadership and ethics team out there, command leadership and ethics team. Uh, and, and she explained it and it really resonated with me in that... Um, Leadership is about setting the conditions where people feel uh, safe, where um, you establish trust, uh, there's, there's honesty, uh, and, and she equated all those to the same uh, attributes when, when, when you love something. Um, so, you know, when you're in a leadership position and you are responsible for individuals in your care, then that is, that is a position of, of love. And it, it does sound a bit strange and it takes you, you know, get your cogs around it, but uh, it really resonated with me and that's why I shared it with you and I'm happy to propagate it out and I, I continue to thank Anne for it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great story. I can see a few people at the back going, oh yeah, it's, it's resonating with people. Sam, you do a lot of other programs inside Defence other than just what we're talking yeah. about, social yeah. mastery. Would you like to talk about some of the other initiatives you're looking at and, and what's exciting you? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'll, I'll just focus on the other one that takes up most of my day, which is Exercise Immerse, which we run with inside Naval Shipbuilding Sustainment Group, but also across a couple of Navy divisions as well, where we're taking APS members out to fleet units, establishments and other areas to look at, I guess, networking and other aspects of, of that side of the house, but also their technical side of the house, so they can have a better understanding of us as the end users in Navy, what we're doing with the products we're procuring or sustaining. 
So it's been really fantastic, apart from seeing them enjoy the fun activities and the simulators and all that sort of stuff as well, it's also showing them, I guess, how Navy works as a team and, and different aspects that they uh, uh, don't see in other industries because we have that quite, we're quite unique in defence, whichever service it might be, in, in the way we interact with each other. Especially, you'll see them all start together as, as a group of 10 people that don't really know each other at the, at the, at the first day. And then by day three, they all, they all know each other, they all turn up and they on the program, it's kind of like a a three-day experience of like the recruit school elements. So on day one, they, they've got to work out how to do marching and, and things like that and other aspects. And it's quite rewarding as well. On day one, they, they can't do an awful lot. And then on day three, they turn up, you turn up to, to go find them that day and they're all formed up. They're ready to go. They're ready to march down to meals or, or things like that. But it's been yeah super rewarding to share a bit of our world with them. And then also, I, I guess, see, see them reinvest that back into the workplace as well. So I've got, we do a post-activity report after each program and w- the feedback we get from always a few people in every single program is that they've spent, say, say, 20 years working across every different area of defence, but they've never experienced what they experienced within that service for those couple of days, uh, whether that be the teamwork and our camaraderie and some of the other stuff we do, and they really take it back to their workplace, reinvigorate, reinvigorate themselves, reinvest it back into their teams, whether that might just be doing some team-building activities and stuff like that as well. But we're taking people who are, like highly technical at what they do that they're, they're the peak of the technical side of the house uh, and then we get to take in some of those social elements as well apart from exposure across the maritime domain and it's, yeah, it's pretty awesome just to see the, the three parts of the triangle coming together with that domain mastery technical mastery social mastery all at once and it's been yeah a fantastic program to be part of yeah yeah i i just want to say um sam in particular has done an amazing job on exercise immerse and i think for all of you here You will remember all our Navy people here that first time you went on board a warship and you smell, you smell what a ship, it's like it's part of the DNA. And when we have our public servants go on board our ships for the first time, it really hits them. But I work with a lot of public servants and contractors and I want them every single day they turn up to work, every, every day they walk through the office door, I want them to know they're making a promise to our men and women in the Navy that the job they do, whether it be administration, uh, naval architecture, operations planning, they're making a promise to the men and women of our Navy that when you go into harm's way, they've got your back. They're part of what Australia is about, what our Navy's about. So that's why, you know, many of our public servants have never had this opportunity to go out and understand that. It makes a big difference to them. We want them to feel part of that mission. We want them to feel part of those values. Um, And Sam's done a fantastic job. Um, He's got a line-up for the next year, I think, for people who want to go on the course because it really matters and it makes a difference. Let's shift to crystal ball. Uh, And, Wendy, I'll start with you. If we can have the imaginary crystal ball in front of us on, on two levels. One... What is your vision for social mastery? What does it look like? And two, for you, what does it look like a few years down the track? What are you excited about personally? Well, I think it's about giving people permission to be their best, to stand up, really give everything they do the very best at work, at home, and to know that we're just as invested in their lives, but we want them to invest in their own lives so that, you know, what would be wonderful if every person in the Navy felt like there was nothing else that we could do to show the promise, the investment, the love, 
the commitment and that they take that with them in their lives every single day. Now, that, that's kind of the vision um, and I know that's a bit airy-fairy but I think we've got to show up and, and really show our people a vision and that they're valued and that we want them, we want to keep them forever, we want you all to bring your children and join the Navy. So, you know... My I, son's can. I <laughs> see you've, you've done a great job on me. But some of the replica boats is in his room and he told one of his friends recently, oh, I'm going to join the Navy when I grow up. I said that the defence industry team was saying to me... Um, you know, what, what do you think we can do more to get people to join the Navy? You know, how can we help? And I said, I've got a good idea for next, the next Indopac. When you register, you've got to sign up your firstborn to join the Navy. <laughs> Otherwise, you can't come. Now, I think we've got to start thinking outside the box here. You know, yeah. she's not joking as well. <laughs> Before I go to Dean and the crystal ball, when we often talk about this information about self-development, those of you who've always put everybody else first, and there's a particular cluster of people I think of, it's, it's normally women. It's a higher propensity of women. It's women as well who have a family or extended family, and it's often with religious beliefs. So can you put a show of hands if you tick all three? So it could be to someone who cares for others all the time. You have a denomination you believe in, you put up, you've got about, yeah, about half the room. When you start putting yourself first, this lady's just looking at me, she's connecting, going, you're talking to me. What was your name? Alison. Well, what do you think of, Alison, often when you put yourself first? I think you do it and you don't think about it until after. And it's then you kind of get into bed and go, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, this is finally some downtime. And, and, you know, you said earlier... You've got, to, you've got to make sure that you take care of yourself. And, and I resonate that with my team, but I you know, know that I can do that better with myself. So. Yeah, and the, the word I often hear, Alison, is guilt. <laughs> that a lot of people will put everyone before themselves, their colleagues, family, associates, even that little down the road, it lives down the, down the street, you put him or her first and put yourself last. Now, it's a well-worn analogy, but you've got to put your oxygen mask on first. And that's a message I heard you say, Wendy, when we first started this, that for men and women, put the oxygen mask on first and look at that self-care, look at looking after yourself. And when you expand your energy, your capacity, emotional regulation, you can actually do a whole lot more. But I just wanted to, to plant that for people who are thinking, oh, I'm, not, I'm too busy, or I'll put everyone else first. It starts with you. And it's not selfish, it's self-management. It sounds like a flip in terms, but it's a fundamental shift in the way we approach sustainability. It's a fundamental shift in the way we look at leadership and leading with love. Dean, what's the crystal ball say for you? To be honest, social mastery needs to become BAU. It needs to be business as usual, just like our technical mastery and our domain mastery. I believe we're on the journey and we're going to get there. You know, I, I step out of this job in December and I hand over to, um, to uh, a, a new N1 who who energise the program and, and take it hopefully to bigger and better things. But that doesn't mean my social mastery journey stops. Uh, it's just the beginning. So, you know, we're all students on this journey and uh, we absolutely need to fit our own oxygen mask before others uh, so that we can do exactly what the boss does is, you know, take that time in the morning to regulate and engage the brain to show up for work for our people. We're going to have a whole room of people who are now going to jump at the TARDIS. You're going to have to give that context to your colleagues and your team. Yeah, you have to drive as well, right? We're not there yet, right? That's coming. And a shout-out to Command Warrant Officer Tony Duncan as well, who's had a great input in this as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Tony is uh, another driving force behind the program and uh, has been instrumental from the start. Sam, uh, crystal ball, you're getting some sleep down the track. <laughs> what are you excited about, specific to social mastery and continuing yep. to support people the way you do? Absolutely. I think, and we already started doing it this year, but we have a long way to go, is just keep growing the reach of the program. Like when we first started, it was it was just Naval Shipbuilding and Sustainment Group. Now we've been given this amazing platform where we can still deliver all the products for Naval Shipbuilding and Sustainment Group, but also wider defence through our venues at Adfer and things like that. So I just, yeah, I'm really focused now on growing as much as we can, giving it the biggest reach we can. It's, it's always fantastic when we do the ones that add for and you look into the audience and we have a sea of white, blue, green, APS, everyone all together. I, yeah. that, that audience did two things to me. It energised me and it made me feel old. It was, it was like, it was like <laughs> looking at like just young hybrid, young men, yeah. like all just so fit. I, I felt, I said to yeah. do I felt old yeah. every year of my... 40-odd years. But I think, yeah, just, just keeping to grow that reach and growing the awareness of social mastery. I think what we did at ADFA a few weeks ago was amazing, be able to expose people at such an early instrumental part of their career to even just the concept of social mastery so they can continue to grow on that journey, uh, whether it be through our program or other resources in single services. I think that's, that's definitely my focus is just getting as many people on the program, whether it be for development or awareness or whatever aspect they might focus on uh, for themselves, it'll, it'll help change your careers. Yeah. Yeah, so, and just to jump in on that, I think that's a really good point that Sam's raised. This is just one of many tools that's being rolled out across defence. So, you know, whether this one resonates with you or another one does, you know, get on board. I, I might just add to that too because I just I wanted to tell you about one of the proudest and most inspiring moments I've had in the last year. And it's one of the best examples of leadership and followership that I've seen. Um, and she's here today, she's going to kill me. Commander Ali Withers, I got to be the reviewing officer at recruit school for one of the graduations last year. Um, I tried to do it for about three years, wanted to go down and, and see the recruits graduate. I hadn't been able to do it, got cancelled a couple of times during COVID. Finally got down there last year and on the night before the graduation, Ali invited me around to her house with all the recruit instructors now, I have never seen a more energised bunch of people who are just incredible. Um, and when you talk about leadership and followership, you know, they all had each other's backs. We had a great night. It was a lot of fun. But the next day, seeing not just, not just the recruits, not just the f families, not just the grandmothers and grandfathers and kids, um, but all, Ali and all of her team being so proud and so excited... Of, of what happened um, and those new recruits going into the Navy. If you could bottle that, Ali, we'll take, we'll take three tonne of it. Yeah, so and I know my drill wasn't very good on the day, but I've, I've really been prouder and just wanted to say a big thank you. And a great example, this fabulous lady is about to go and be the commanding officer of a destroyer. It's our most beautiful warships. So well done, Ali. So big shout out, sorry. <laughs> And, and Ali, uh, you're there smiling, but you look like you've gone a little bit red. So yeah. to, to make you feel even a little bit redder, we've handed you a microphone. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. And thank you so much for that, ma'am. It's um, it, Thank you for being such an amazing cheerleader of mine. You know, it, um, the job down at Recruit School is 
Definitely the most rewarding thing I've ever done with the team that I have down there, but also the toughest thing to do when you're when you're dealing with human change in such a rapid way as we are with with new recruits, um, and sometimes feels like a thankless job. But but as you said, you got to see that experience of watching those recruits graduate and the pride in in my staff for for what they've done to get um, our recruits over the line is is something that I will be thankful for the Navy giving me that opportunity every day. Ali, there's a German word called Schadenfreud, or Schadenfreude, which is pleasure through other people's misery. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this has got nothing to do with you. Let me finish, okay? <laughs> there's another German word that we don't hear anywhere near, near enough of. It's Mitfreud, pleasure through other people's success. A beautiful example for both of you. You elevating Ali. Ali then yeah, begrudgingly taking the microphone, <laughs> but, but shining because it makes you feel so good giving back. So wonderful example of mid-Freud, pleasure through other people's success or elevating others and helping other people rise up. So we've got a gift for you. I did uh, bring a few books or we've got a few packs so you can choose what you'd like at the end. So come and see us after. Thanks. I'm conscious on time. One of the big things I've been influenced working in your domain is we start and finish on time. I've got a lot of people nodding. But Dean, we'll start with you and we'll work across the, the front of the room. Your lasting thought, last impression before we wrap this up today. What's your last message you'd like to give to the crowd? Social mastery is a personal journey and it's interesting if I tie back into that last question about the spectrum, it's very easy for us to measure technical mastery and even domain mastery because we have certain gates we need to step through. Uh, social mastery is a personal journey so don't give up on it. Uh, you have to start somewhere uh, and anything is better than nothing. So whether you can give it five minutes a week, 30 minutes a week, or an hour a week uh, or more, please do so and invest in yourself first because the investment in yourself will be investment in your team. For me, I guess for this, it, it, it will be, you, you may see emails come through your inbox at some point in time, adverts for events that add for things for the program. Just give it a crack, like sign up. If you want to come to a masterclass or, or you do the four-week program, uh, it's an hour a week. You can do it whenever you'd like. If you can't meet the actual time constraints of the program, just be open to giving it a go. Even just come along to one of the one-hour sessions of the whole four-week four program. I think I bumped into an old army colleague, which I haven't seen for quite some time now, uh, working at a, in a senior leadership capacity, who came along recently to one of our masterclasses at ADFA, and she came along because she thought, I'll, I'll set a good example for the team. Um, I should go along. I'm a, I'm a leader. I think I'm pretty good at social mastery, but I'll, I'll bring the team along. And she came around, she sat down, and then after she finished the first one, she went, oh crap, I've, I've got a lot to learn. Uh, and then she came back to the next one and really enjoyed it. So I think no matter what level we're at, no matter how good we think we are, uh, we've always got room for improvement, especially uh, apart from obviously the, merit, the domain mastery, the technical mastery. I think we've, we've all got uh, miles to go in the social mastery aspect as well, no matter how, how far we are on, it, on that journey. We're, we're never gonna reach the end. So if you just be open to change, whether that be the Navy quarter culture programs, anything at all you might see, just be open to change and, and go along and, and have a listen. I wanted to say a couple of things. I guess firstly, I, I really reiterate, it doesn't matter what rank you are, what job you do, you know, you can always do better. And investing in social mastery for yourself is, is always going to be important. I'm particularly speaking to the women in the room at the moment. We hold ourselves to a level of perfectionism that is unhelpful, unreasonable and unachievable. 
So don't do it. Perfection is actually not required. I can remember as a young lieutenant trying to do everything perfectly and really giving myself a hard time when I couldn't. And that was, that was kind of, you know, gave myself a whole heap of grief that I really didn't need to do. And if you think of social mastery as, you know, be kind to yourself, allow yourself to fail, allow yourself to have another go, allow yourself to feel that discomfort of not being perfect. So me, that social mastery journey from a personal perspective is one that I still need to work on every day and be better. I think as a leader, the, the point about social mastery is I basically said to these guys, I think we need to do something, but for God's sake, can you please help figure out what it's going to do? And you know what? They went off and, and found the right way to approach this and have done a really great job at trying to introduce social mastery into our workplace um, and across the Defence Force. So I feel real pride as a leader that my team have thrown themselves into this. And there were some people who were a bit sceptical and went, you know, we don't think that's worth funding or worth giving your time to, and we had to fight for it, which I was prepared to do and I was prepared to give it a go. And we didn't, you know, we didn't always get everything right. And I'm like, don't worry about it guys, let's keep going. So that being kind to yourself, being kind to your team, to me that's a real heart of uh, social mastery that we, we must remind ourselves of. In wrapping up, I've got three thank yous. Uh, first thank you is to the three of you up the front for giving us a wonderful opportunity to partner with Defence. It's just been a it's been a, a totally changing program from the way we see running our business and just so much gratitude from us to the three of you, uh, to Anthony and the team involved as well. So that was the first thank you. Heartfelt. Second, can I get everyone to turn to the person next to them and say thank you for coming and thank you for staying. Give them a, a fist pump, a high five, hug them if you want. Now, a bit of hugging going up the back. Okay, stop hugging gents up the back. <laughs> Come on, I want to see hugs. <laughs> but there, were, there were a few hugs up the back, we're hugging. And the most important thank you, and can we do this with our feet and our hands, can you join me in a very, very loud, rambunctious set of applause and stomping for these three people on stage, Commander Thompson, Petty Officer Tickle, and Rear Admiral Malcolm, for not just giving us their time today, but for being so authentic and for being so caring in their messages today. Thank you very, very much.